Wayne. Good times. United back. Yeah, we, I feel like I was cursing this podcast, but I, I know it was the United's wrong look and the, the way that we were playing, but I felt like I was becoming a bit of a curse because it was the same old problems we kept talking about over and yeah. over again. So, like, yes, we've got some wins to talk about. I'm buzzing. I, I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? The transformation in just two weeks. I mean, look, it's not like uh, United have blown anyone away, but just the it's it's the little things we wanted, right? Yeah. Competent defending, better than competent defending, keeping the ball in midfield, creating chances. Yeah. The the looks like the raw materials are there for a half decent team. Yeah. I, the conversation I was having with someone is Malassia is the perfect example of the improvement. He's yeah. putting in seven out of tens, but he's seven out of tens compared to maybe the three or four out of tens we've been seeing this. It's just, like you said, it's just competence. And it's so good to see. And Ericsson's another shout for this. I was talking about how, he, how much he'd improved our midfield and everyone's tweeting me back and saying it's just like watching Paul Scholes. And I thought, obviously, it's an over-exaggeration for the moment because he's playing well. But then I thought, no, it is a little bit like latter-day Scholes, that latter-day Scholes just ambled around and he did things and he, he was comfortable on the ball and then he just moved the ball on. And it's like, no, that is like, the, that's kind of what we've seen. It's a midfielder who's actually capable of holding the ball. He's holding the ball and he's keeping possession. He's keeping it ticking over. And we haven't, yeah. we haven't seen it for since Carrick. We, none of our midfielders have been, he, and Matic is good on the ball, but he was never good at recycling it in the same way. Yeah. He's just, he's just metronomic. He's just, does it simple and his delivery is always good. But yep. You just think, what is this? It's just it's just run of the mill, natural, normal consistency. But it feels like which we a, should expect, yeah, yeah. But it, but it feels like a revolution. <laughs> That's what I'm it really about. does. I mean, we talked quite quite a lot, didn't we, about where Ericsson was going to play? And because when he went to Brentford, he basically played at ten or off the left of the <laughs> forward line, which is where he's played most of his career. To be fair. And now he's he's very much in the pivot alongside yeah. well it's been alongside Scott McTominay who's who's been decent and maybe alongside Casemiro I we presume and it's a significant upgrade in United's midfield which has been a problem for years and years and years <laughs> and years <laughs> yeah. and, and so it's nice to see I mean it, it was an interesting game Leicester wasn't it because. There was a sort of period in the second half when it looked like it was going to get away from United and the control that we had in the first half sort of disappeared for a bit. But then it got wrestled back. And I don't know whether, whether that kind of coincides with Casemiro coming on, just having that little bit of extra bite for the last few minutes of the game. But United didn't just cave in and mm. didn't give up loads of chances, really, or hardly anything until yeah. that, that late one that Justin blazed over. Yeah, but it was just yeah, it was a good, solid performance. Got the goal, which was a beautiful goal, and then saw out the game. Yeah, there were a couple of things in there that really stood out to me. Obviously, the good football because it, the goal itself, it was it takes your breath away a little bit. Not in terms of like it was magnificent, but just like oh, look at the fluidity, look at the way that we did it, and it's like oh my god, and you. Look, we've had lows, like moderately speaking, for Manchester United. We've had lows to suffer over the last year, and they've been they've been some really bad lows, and we're talking like history defining lows. So when you see something like what we've seen, only only glimpses, it, actually, it's quite emotional to see like the, the like shoots of rebirth and, and stuff like that. I was, we were talking just before we came. Like before you hit the record button about like cautiousness, and I had a moment when we had the we picked up like three bookings in quite a, a quick succession yeah. in the early second half, and I was thinking, all right, this is a little bit of a similar test to Van Gaal in when he went to Leicester, and we had a lead, and then defensively we capitulated, and you always feel, are we one player away from that kind of capitulation? We're just one player moving out, bringing in one of the old guard, and then it all goes to pot. You don't know. So to see them come through that, um, I, I I know a few people said, oh, we, we we gained some kind of control. You kind of hinted at it there. But I'm not sure. I, I still don't think I saw that. I saw Casemiro come on. He looked quite good again, like he did at Southampton. 
But I'm, I think he's still trying to find his place in there. I think at, at Southampton, he did a couple of things where he stepped back. It was like like a parent watching a kid on a bike. He sort of stepped back and like Tomlin make a couple of mistakes and then came in to sweep up yesterday. Similar, like he's still trying to find his place. You know that once he does, he'll be dominating in there. He's kind mm-hmm. of finding his feet. But I, I'm more encouraged by that. I'm more encouraged by it being a tentative thing. I mean, like you said, all the all the wins have been narrow. They've all been by a single goal. So it is very much baby steps. But because it's not like we didn't blow Leicester away 5-0, nobody's getting false solved by it. And I, I like that. I like there wasn't a Di Maria-style chip to get excited about. And you go, oh, my God, this is... So it was just, it was just nice football, played in bursts, and the idea that we're building towards something, which is exactly the same as it was at Southampton. You might even argue, all right, we could have scored a couple more last night because Leicester are in a bit of a bad bad spot themselves. But United have been in such a low position that those kind of games that they've played over the last sort of six or seven months, they would have been like, Southampton would have been loving the idea of United going there. Leicester would have been loving it. So to go there and have the away support rewarded in the way that they were for a run of the middle six to seven out of ten performances. It's sound again, it's 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 something that you would take for granted ten years ago, but to see it now it feels like a major step forward. Yeah, well let's talk about the goal a little bit, because in a sense it's just ten hard ball all along, isn't it? The pressure from the front, United's like oh, the triggered pressure from the front, which is what he's been trying to get them doing which Ragnit yeah. was trying to get them doing and causes the big punt out of out of out of defense from the keeper uh, and from there it's just like a lightning quick transition and again that's what Tin Hag wants so Dallo into the space that the left back who was at Luke Thomas had left yeah. Fernandez inside Rashford with the final through ball and and Sancho with the finish and it was all perfect Really, yeah. just super, super quick. Ten seconds from back to front, and and a lovely goal. And the movement created it. The pressure definitely created it. That's why top sides press, and that's why we talk about pressing an awful lot because you force the opposition who are inferior to give away the chance, which has won the game. Hmm. So Ten Hag must have been delighted with that. He didn't show it afterwards in his in in, in his presser or his pre post match interviews. He's very. Hmm. It's just very even, isn't he, with his answers and but just 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 perfect. Everything they've been working on. Yeah. No, yeah, and and I one of the particular one of the things I'm enjoying most is the players who and I know that I'm guilty of this as well, the players who have been maligned for one reason or another. The ones I know we can all say that Molassi has done well and we can all say Martinez and Ericsson, but I I a big um, fan of the players who were turning it around and and showing something. So Delo has obviously had a lot of criticism. Ferdinand, Fernandez has, Rashford obviously has, and Sancho has. So to see them all combine, and what I, I hope that they all look at that goal and they all look at their ro- their role in that, and they look at it and they say, "Look, we can trust our instincts because they're they're all quick movements, they're all quick decisions that they made, and they're all good." Everything was good. It flowed beautifully. If you can do that, and to Leicester, I know that they're missing a couple of key players and a couple of players have gone and the defence was definitely makeshift. But they're still a pretty difficult to beat side and you've done something like that. You've unlocked them pretty pretty spectacularly. You can do that. that and we've seen it. We saw it against Liverpool, so one of the best defence. You've seen it against Southampton at home who started the season quite well. And then you've seen it again at Leicester, they can do it. You can do it. You can trust your instincts. So all that stuff that we saw at the back end of last season where you could see the Reds were one foot off the ground because it felt so sorry for themselves. You can do it if you trust it. Just trust yourself. Trust your instincts. And even if it doesn't happen, next time it might. Don't go sulking about it. And and we're seeing that. And I know that this is the value of the manager that he's picked them off the ground over the last couple of weeks. To do it from where they were after Brentford is just a... It's just brilliant man management, really. It's, yeah, it's a great job. With it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's doing everything we need him to do. Of course, the, the it's interesting that the goal came not because of Leicester's sort of deficiencies in defence. Uh, yeah, although, you know, obviously them playing NDD in defence is not what they'd be wanting. But Sanchez's form has been dreadful, and Fafana's 
gone off and his agent or brother is posting on Instagram and really winding Brendan Rodgers up, which is, I have to say, quite amusing, all of that. But but the goal came because United exploited Leicester's pressure going forward. I mean, Leicester pushed the fullbacks up. That's how Rodgers wants to play. They had two massive gaps. It could have gone down the right, could have gone down the left. It would have caused the same problem for them. They mm. United create the overload because of their ability to get out from the back really quickly and make the right decisions. So we were fortunate. I mean, Leicester are bottom for a reason. They've had a dreadful summer in which they've lost one of their best players and not really replaced him with anyone of the same quality. And, and Rodgers talked afterwards about the fact that the ownership have said they haven't got any money because of their FFP position they needed to sell. Mm. Oh, world's smallest violin playing for Brendan there. But but United created that. Uh, yeah. And I think we can be pleased with that. Now, of course, there's a tougher challenges to come, of course. And this was Leicester and it was Southampton who've had a mixed start to the season, a really bad end to last season. And and so we, I guess we're not getting carried away because we've had plenty of false false starts in the last few years, haven't we? Yeah, where we, yeah. Where we thought it was about to happen. So um, it's funny. But, but having... it's from where we've come to where we are now, which you're yeah. mentioning, which is the, the key thing. Yeah, I was having this conversation this morning, actually. I'm glad that you brought it up, the point, because we are... A, we're at a curious moment, and you and I probably would be through the mill that many times. I don't even know how many fans remember. You know, like we're talking a 10 year spell now, so how many people have vivid memories of what happened in the Bengal era and stuff like that? Unfortunately, I do. So I'm going to recap some of it for you. We didn't really see a, a sample size under Moise for, for fair analysis of this, but Bengal had two good spells. The first spell they had that was really good, I, I'm not. Counting the McNair and Blackett dis- defensive masterclass at Arsenal. That doesn't count <laughs> as a spell. But there's the uh, period where he had Matter Matter was playing because he scored the goal at Anfield, the goals at Anfield. Young was playing from the left. Rooney was probably playing as a nine and Fellaini was a, a ten. And it was a curious combination, but it was working because Young was crossing, Fellaini was editing it down and all cut sorts of chaos. We won all those back to back games, Liverpool, City, Spurs the boxing celebration and everything yes. like that. And yeah. and we qualified for the Champions League. Now, you knew that was a four or five game spell. It wasn't going to last. That combination of players playing that kind of football wasn't going to last because Spangol was going to change it and those players were going to move around. That was, much was obvious. The second spell that he had was when the younger players broke in when there was the injury crisis and it looked like he was gone. He pretty much was gone because the club had pretty much already decided that Mourinho was coming in by December. I don't know why they gave him the rest of the season, but they did. But then there was the injury crisis. Rashford came in. All the other lads, both with Jackson, Fosu, Mensa. I can't remember. Varela played a few games as well. Obviously, Rashford was the star of that. They had this wave of momentum, optimism, and that obviously wasn't going to last because you're not going to get... Like that was like the 1989 Lee Martin Russell Beardsmore. It was good for a moment. <laughs> it's never going to last. You've got to capitalize on it a different way. Mourinho, you had the four nil FC. Remember when Pogba and Lukaku yes. were linking up, and he yep. said, "Oh, look, this is as, this is good football under Mourinho." It was as good as it can get under Mourinho, which is a very different thing from saying it's good football. And those four <laughs> nils very went. They went away very quickly, and then what we saw was what Alan Partridge would describe as moribund. And then you had the Solskjaer <laughs> moment where he came in and he was unbeaten for like 18 or 19 games, obviously, and he gets the job. Now, everyone says, oh, we played well for like a dozen games. We didn't. If you go back and look at that, and I'm I champion Solskjaer to the end, and I'll still say that he did a decent yes. job, and I'll talk about it. Those performances were not good. There were no, two, no, there were two right. or three. There were two or three good performances at the start, and I might even be generous with that. There might have been two. The Cardiff game and then Huddersfield at home, there was like half a good game. And then the the performances, they declined. But the there were individual moments where Solskjaer proved himself, which were the win at Spurs, the win at Arsenal in the Cup, and the win at Chelsea in, I think that was in a Cup as well. So you had some really good tactical things from Solskjaer. The reason why I'm going through all this is to look at these three games achieved by single goal victories under Ten Hag and saying, all right, we don't get carried away. But there seems to be a lot more substance and direction in what you could. And maybe it's because I'm in the moment. Maybe I'm being optimistic because I'm in the moment. Yeah. And for God, God knows we've been 
pessimistic and had plenty of reason to be pessimistic for long enough. But you see the green shoots, you look at the way that it looks like. You're not looking at, oh, that's a surprise nine out, nine out of 10 performance. You're not seeing that from individuals. You're just seeing steady increase in control, defensive awareness, attacking combinations, just just general 1-0 victories, mm-hmm. developing a sense of consistency and and seeing a manager who is connecting with the players in a different way to the predecessors did. Yeah, I agree. And, yeah. yeah, it's it's a good job you have a good memory for football. Maybe you should write this down and put it in a thing called a book. <laughs> Ever thought of doing yeah. that for a living? Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe one day, one day. Yeah. Everyone's see. got a everyone's got a great book inside us, right? <laughs> or twenty. Well, yeah, yeah. Or, or I, no, I agree. Points. Look, yeah. there's a plan. Ten Hag has a plan. He has a way he wants to play. He's had to make compromises because Frankie De Jong didn't come, and so the compromise has been to put. Ericsson back into central midfield and if he gets injured or needs a rest we'll be back into a different position where we have less of that control in midfield and we're one Rafa Varane injury away from Harry Maguire back in defence and and all of that right so it's it is on paper thin foundations but there's a plan and that's why United are moving forward. I guess we should talk about this is is United's business in the transfer market five deals and that's a lot more than the club is normally able to pull off I mean it felt and I guess we talk we can summarize it now because the the window slams shut as it does and United are one of the biggest spenders now (laughs) now interesting set of deals I mean it isn't all the deals Ragnit wanted 10 players it's five still got the issue at in in goal with David De Gea, who's like part brilliant, part awful. Still got the issue at right back where it's probably not as good as we want. Probably could have done with another forward. But five yeah. really good players, I think. I mean, we'll see with Anthony. And, yeah. and, and uh, yeah, major upgrades in areas we needed. Yeah. And no, so it's, in the end, it's what, a seven out of ten window. Really expensive, but a good window. No, I'd go higher than that. I'd say eight or nine because you look, you, yeah. Ten players. Ten's going to be optimistic, unless you're Nottingham Forest, which I think there's, <laughs> yeah. there's always the danger of signing too many, right? And I think Forest probably straddled that line. So I think sensibly building. Yeah, you could have said ten. But I actually think that five is a really healthy number. Six, if you count the goalkeeper, Dubrovka. Yeah. yeah. So so you've got five bona fide first-team players, really, who are at least going to challenge for first-team positions. Yeah. And they're all upgrades on what we had, and they're all in. And they're all they're all competing straight away. Do you know what I mean? They're all, all they're not like Ahmad Diallo like formed out for half a year and Palestre. You're not going to see him for it forever. Do you know they're they're yep. there, they're present, and and they're competing for places. And I think it's smart. Yeah, I, I don't know how much of it was reactionary to the to the defeat. I, you've got to say not some of it seems to have been planned out. Some of the signings were. Already, the wheels were already in motion before before the defeat to Brentford. So Anthony was obviously one that he's wanted for all, all summer, even if it's coming at a high cost. But I mean, yeah, you've got the cost side of it, and some of it is a little bit eye watering. But they are the players that the manager wanted. He didn't get De Jong, but United were trying with that. It wasn't. I don't think it was United's fault that that one didn't happen. You could argue the Young deal obviously had some impact on everything else that they were doing. So once they had For a clear sure. indication that that wasn't going to happen, then other things happened. And it's difficult because we can criticise the people who were negotiating above Ten Hag, and probably fairly, but it was United were resetting like they did under Moyes. You know what I mean? It was always going to be a difficult thing where you've got new people in all these different departments. I think they did as well as they could have expected to maybe or maybe overspent on two or three of those players and they could have got them in a bit earlier for a bit cheaper, for sure. But in terms of the players that we've got in, I, I think 10 would have been overkill, honestly. We would have liked to, it would have been nice to see like a De Jong and maybe even Depay come back if people were happy with that and, and Ronaldo move on and get a Gakpo in or something like that. You could say all those kind of things, but I think that's a healthy number. For, for a squad that's rebuilding, you still got to keep some of the players around. Like, for example, using Forrest is a very, very lazy example. 
there's going to be chaos in that squad for for probably two months. Twenty two players. In addition to the squad that got them promoted, do you know what I mean? It's it's unfair pressure on a lot of those players. So you can't imagine that that's going to be a, a good balance, a healthy balance. It might, it might, maybe it could su- surprise me and a lot of people. But I, I like the players that we've got in. I like that they are, they've all been problems addressed. Right? It wasn't lucky for when we signed Fred, for example. I know we needed a midfielder, but he was a different profile of midfielder. And everyone was saying, "Oh, well, we need a centre off." Do you know what I mean? At least this time, there's only the centre forward that's not being addressed, but there's different solutions within the players that you've got for that. It's not a massive emergency. Right back, you obviously need an upgrade to that. But you've also got to take into account that the existing players need a chance to prove that they can step up. And a lot of them are doing that, as I mentioned earlier. Trello is having his best run of form. McTominay, probably his best few games for United, by the way. And I'm I'm not saying that he's outstanding or anything like that, but... Understand his profile, understand his limitations, understand the pressure that he's under. He's putting in a, a lot of good performances for him. Yeah, Rashford, within what he's capable of doing in his ceiling, I think he's had a good bunch of games. Exactly, exactly. So, and that's what you've got to expect, right? Sancho's is he's feeling his way into it, but he's scored a couple of important goals. Rashford gingerly getting better. Fernandez, you feel like with the economy of an Eriksson and the economy of a Casemiro that you can take a bit of a liberty with his, the chances that he takes. You feel a bit safer with that. And perhaps yeah. it looks like he feels a bit safer because he's trying things and they're coming off. And you know that when that happens, you've got a great player in there. So all of the players yeah. that are there already, you want to see them step up. And they are doing so. That's good management all around. I just think it's it's working really well at the moment. And the other thing to I, mention... I agree. That, I mean, I think... You'd hope that by next summer we don't see some of this chaos, right? That it's not done. We're not spending a hundred million in the last week of the transfer window. Yeah, because of that deal could have been done clearly three months earlier for maybe half the price if yeah. you believe certain certain media personalities and and their insight on Ajax's thinking. So that definitely has an impact. It will impact on the budget for January. There probably isn't one. Ten Hag himself said that. United changed their budget. And and of course, the club, if we manage to qualify for the Champions League, we'll have additional revenue coming in and that may change things again. right? And it's really important because the, the Adidas kit deals up for negotiation, probably starting about now in two years' time, that, will, that has to be concluded. And TeamViewer have already said they're not renewing. So United need to be on an upward path financially yeah. in order to absorb this kind of level of spending. And, and so there's... There's a sense in which you go, well, the new team, Murta, Andy O'Brien, new recruitment head, it was a bit chaotic and you'd like it to have been done early. And clearly, whatever they'd come up with and whatever plans that they had, Ten Hager said no, because apart from Casemiro, they're all they're all basically links to Oanjabravka. They're links to Ten Hag or Dutch football in some yeah. way. And they're players he knows and trusts and and the the club rightly have said yeah we're going to back the manager and they've gone strong in on him and ponied up 100 million euros for Anthony a kid who's only ever played in the Eredivisie which is and not even that many games Mm. and his numbers aren't awesome I mean he looks like a beautiful player don't get me wrong but it's this is a mega gamble for that kind of money and 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 it's paid a lot because it's been really late in the window and Casemiro I mean they're trying to do Rabiot before that in what world does that make sense? In mm-hmm. no world at all, except for if you're being cheap. And I just come back to the thing that Ten Hag said yesterday, the club changed the budget. Yeah. And so probably they did see Brentford and they, they thought, uh-oh, you know, we're not going to pay Rabiot £400,000 a week because he's a bit average yeah. and we're going to upgrade. And they went to Casemiro, who probably wasn't on any list ever. Not of not of uh, like targets they thought they could get. So that's that's the chaos, and you just hope that the new team has a year to bed in, and by next summer it's a bit more targeted. And United, hopefully, are moving on up and can have a different range of targets that they don't have to pay mega money just to attract over, or aren't aging and want a either a payday or a different challenge at the tail end of their career. And and you hope that this challenge transition works in the way that others didn't because you know, I'd have spent mega money before I mean biggest net spenders apart from City over the last decade anywhere in Europe yeah. you know? so, um, this pattern hasn't changed 
You just hope that this time we get it right. Yeah, and also you want to hope that the change comes from above as well because the pattern was backing a manager at first and then not backing him on the second When they had doubts. Yeah, yeah. so they've got to see that process through. And you don't know, we don't know because the, the people who are above Tenog are different. The one thing that I will say in terms of where we are in a year's time, not six months, in a year's time, Tenog has already proven to be very swift in his decisions. He decided very early on Maguire, very early on Shaw, to put Ronaldo on the bench. Massive decisions to make. Also, doing that, knowing that he, he'd faced immediate questions about Maguire as captain. Now, he obviously handled that diplomatically. I think we've even discussed that. I think he's done that really well. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So what I'm saying is he's making the big decisions. He'll probably make similar decisions and calls like that over the coming season. So there'll be a lot of clarity by the time you come to next year, regardless of where we are, if we finish just outside the Champions League spaces, if we finish inside them, Tenog will have a lot of clarity on the direction and the dynamic of that squad. So you'll know exactly who and where. And I think he'll probably get back. I don't think we'll be seeing a 200 million summer. I think he'll be very clear very early on. Because he's, he's made very, very swift decisions already. Yeah. Within, within a month of football, senior football, and everything he's done, even in the defeats, every proactive decision he's taken has seen an improvement. Even if you look in the middle of the Brighton game, he made changes and that improved the performance for what it was. He made changes at half-time. He, he recognised the mistakes against Brentford and the, the team saw at the second half, nil-nil. But at least it was an improvement from the great performance in the first half. So he's making the decisions, all other decisions, seeing some kind of improvement. And I, I think that you, I mean, no, no manager's going to get every decision right, but he's made all the major ones so far. Yeah. He's got a really good understanding of what doesn't work at United. And that's really reassuring. Yeah, he's been very diplomatic about Ronaldo. He said there's a squad, everyone's going to play, so on and so on. He he said he was going to stay, and and it was clear after he stayed that that's what he had said. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, which I thought was a kind of interesting way he he had a dig back at, at the media. I mean, that is the big one, isn't it? Ronaldo will be with the club for the next year. There's the cost involved involved in that there's the ego involved with that we'll see how that affects things but for the moment he's been used as a an impact sub uh, although his his major contribution against Leicester was to give the ball away from which Leicester nearly scored yeah. right at the end of the game <laughs> so not not awesome but but he seems to be managing that one and Ronaldo's now got to decide whether he's going to be a positive influence on this squad or a negative one and the noises have been that he's been a bit of a negative one, but maybe it's turning around. And I, d I don't think... He, he seems to be thinking all about his legacy. He wants to play in the Champions League. He wants that record for a number of goals in the Champions League. He's looking at Lionel Messi, who's a couple of years younger uh, and in a team that's playing in the Champions League. And he wanted to go because of that. Instead, he's going to be you know, on in the 80th minute against Ammonia Nicosia. Uh, and so on, right? It's not the stage that he wants to be at, but he can just destroy his reputation by ruining things for the next year. Yeah. And I hope he doesn't do that. I, I don't think he will. Pro that yeah. he kind of his people say he is. So. No, I don't think he will. I think he'll. The, the good thing about Ronaldo, the good thing, one of the good things about him is that he, he does adapt to situations like this. He, he pushed for a move in 2008. He didn't get one, and he, he had a really good season the following season. He scored some of his best goals as well in that period of time. So He did, um, unfortunately, with injuries. Otherwise, he'd got even more. Yeah, probably, yeah. See, it was a bad start to the season, wasn't it? The, yeah, I don't remember that. Um, and against Barcelona in Rome, if he'd have scored, I think it was a free kick he had early on, and if that had gone in, then the old dynamic of his final game for United at that time would have changed. So I don't think... It, I think he, he did the right response that time round, and I think you, you're right this time round. I don't know, even know if Paris have got in the group. I should have checked that out before. But I wonder I if he's looked at that and sort of said, well, Messi might not get the goals in that. You don't know how, <laughs> how far they're going. Do you know, did we work it out? He's something like 15 behind. So he's not going to get 15. Messi won't get 15. I, 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 not this season. Yeah. I, I say that, stand to be proven wrong. He's certainly got the talent to do it, but I'm just 
saying I don't think they will. So then it turns to who would take him next year because this is, don't get me wrong, Ronaldo, in this little exercise, what they've seen, Mendes and Ronaldo will know that this situation, the market for Ronaldo next year is going to be even thinner than it is this year. And so... And there was no market this year. Exactly. So they now, they've made a bed, they're going to have to lie in it. And that bed and lying in it is going to have to be the way that you leave United because once he leaves United, it's MLS or nothing or sporting. And you can go back to a hero's welcome, but this is basically his last stage on the top. This is his last top stage. So he's going to help United get back into Champions League or not and then have a fanfare there next year and get the couple of goals that he might need to just push him over the line over Messi. Or he's not going to do that and he'll just sort of slump away. He's not going to do that Mm -hmm. because he's too concerned with his legacy. I do think from the, particularly last night, I think he was trying to do the pressing. Obviously, we saw him at Southampton. There was a very worrying moment when United were breaking and he looked very, very leggy straight away. And I think he did like a a pretend pull-up and then you're like, okay. I think he just got a bit embarrassed by the the speed of the game. But apart from the mistake yesterday, I also think they did get into a couple of areas where he was flashing the balls across goal. So he was, he could be, he sounds absolutely ludicrous to say, it could be a good impact sub. He's obviously going to try and play as many games as he can in Europe. The home games, you can imagine he's going to start and presumably fill his boots with goals and then put the pressure on for Tenorg for the weekend game, which is not a bad position to be in. You want all those players to have that kind of competition. And also it's healthier than it was when Ibrahimovic was there. Because when Ibrahimovic was there, he was 36 and he was going to play every single week. So Martial got the hump. And although for a little while it it helped with Martial and Rashford on the left, then they brought in Sanchez, making that problem even worse. So you, I think it's as healthy as it can be in terms of like considering the egos involved and considering the the risk that Tenog takes every time he moves one of those pieces, like putting Maguire in or Ronaldo back in, the Mm -hmm. the dynamic and the way that it changes United's play. I think he's doing everything the right way. I do think Ronaldo... I'm saying this with the optimism of the last two weeks. I think he'll be a, a very positive influence on the squad because if he doesn't, like I said, it's affecting his legs. So the way that you go out is the way that a lot of people remember you. So he's going to yeah, be, sure. be dealing with that. And he knows that. It so- took me years to get over the fact that Wayne Rooney was crap for the first, last five years of his United career. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Last but five it, years. But- <laughs> exactly. And all like, when I wrote the book on Cantona, I was desperate to revise that last year, but you can't get away from from the little decline. The way that you dress it up is his decline was still higher than everyone else's high standards. <laughs> you dress and it up be, that way. And to be fair to Cantona, he recognised it and was like, I'm not having any of this, and just disappeared, yeah. right? Age 30. Yeah. So. Ronaldo's, Ronaldo's level of decline is still higher than most players in the league because because he was still scoring hat-tricks in the Premier League last season. There are a lot of these young players in the squad. Garnacho's one who looks to him as a positive influence. Dallow's obviously another. If Rashford and Sancho can learn positive influences, uh, learn from him as a positive influence, then he could still... You don't know which way he's going to unfold because obviously there are all the variables. How many times he's going to start in the Premier League? How many times he's going to be willing to be in the Europa League? All these kind of things. So you don't know how it's going to transpire. I just think that that they're very good businessmen, first and foremost. So they're going to look at this. They're going to say, all right, this is your stage. This is what we've chosen. This is what we've got to deal with. So do do the best thing that you can. I I was interviewed a year ago. So when he first signed... Well, when he first signed, when he re-signed for the club, I was interviewed about it. I know because it came up on time up, so I was just I watched it to see what did I say, how right. wrong, how wrong did I get it? And the the thing was, if he if he scores a number of goals and can help bring through the next generation of players, obviously Sancho and Ronaldo, Sancho and Rashford were part of that generation. Then a year ago, then he can still achieve some kind of hero worship that will be close to having him back in the conversation for the best player of the, to play for the club because a lot of people are upset with him this summer 
a lot of people were upset with him for leaving the first time round. But if he wins a trophy, whatever that trophy is, and he's scoring goals along the way, he re-enters that conversation because, especially if he does it in like a very diplomatic sort of like, oh, I love United kind of way. Obviously, he's going to say that now. He's going to say that now. Like we were joking of last course, time. I haven't seen the interview, but I, I saw some video. So I'm just assuming he's given the... Yeah, I love United. I came back to the club because I love United. Speech exactly. You're going to see that. People like we know to treat it with a heavy dose of cynicism. Ninety percent of people will lap it up, and fair enough. That's ninety percent of people make up the audience, and that's people who are reacting to it. So, and that's the way that it's going to be put across. So, fair enough. If if he comes back and he contributes, and we win a trophy, and he scores goals along the way then he's going to be part of that conversation to be the greatest United player he still can do that and he's not going to get the goal record because he's way behind Rooney but he can still put himself in a very special place in United history so have come back and helped the club to sort of get close back to where it was would yeah. still be a contribution so we'll, we'll see how it unfolds I'm, I'm feeling positive but that's only because of the recent fall if you'd asked me yeah. after Brentford, I'd I mean, be I, I know no. what I said when he returned because I, I had two problems. One was one, and this is not in ranking order. One was the ego and how that would impact United, and and whether he could, whether that was going to be disruptive. And the two was I had a moral problem with him because I couldn't unread what I'd read in terms of his behaviour, and I didn't. And I think there's a different. I've had this conversation on Twitter with a bunch of people this week. I think there's a different. Um, Kind of as a, as a social institution that is more than just a business, United have a real responsibility in the platform they have and they use for a billion fans around the world, right? And and how they use that, I think, really impacts things. And the the bar is not criminal responsibility; it's something else. Yeah, is my view, right? Not everyone's clearly, and I'm not judging them for it. But I had a I had a problem on those two fronts. So I've never really been a fan of him coming home, and I, I find it curious that i mean the fans were singing his name at leicester very loudly and for quite some time and i find that kind of curious because he's clearly wanted to leave the club for a second time yeah. the whole summer and been agitating for it and i i am um, i'm fairly cynical so i don't expect fans to take my moral stance on him but i'm surprised that he's still getting like all the support despite believing he's effectively bigger than the club so, But now we are where we are. He is going to be at the club for at least another year. United have the option for a third year. It would be surprising to trigger it, I have to say, unless some major turnaround happens. He's going to be used in a certain way by Ten Hag. He clearly cannot play in the system Ten Hag wants, but if there are games where teams are going to drop deeper and United don't need the transition and can perhaps afford to let them the opposition play through into midfield and don't press from the front, then then he'll play. Otherwise, it's going to be Rashford and Martial when he's Martial's fit, which doesn't seem to be very often. Mm. Uh, and and Ronaldo will be a sub, and we'll just have to hope that he can accept that for a yeah. year. Well, he he doesn't have a choice, does it? Do you know what I mean? Does it, if he doesn't accept it, then he's gone anyway. Do you know, he, he's, he's gone if he goes well. He's, he's gone if he goes badly. I can't see. It would have to be a miracle for that third year to be exercised, I think. United were quite open to the idea of him going, but, you know, it just didn't happen. And it's not, look, it's a funny one because you say oh, you're kind of lumbered with him, but it, it, it's a decent problem to have. If you're going to have a backup striker, oh, sure. it might as well yeah. be Ronaldo. For all, for all his, his shortcomings, he's still, for, for that 20 minutes, he, he's, he's not the slowest. He's got a burst in. He's, if he doesn't have the burst of a defender... He's still got the intelligence to work out solutions to beat those defenders against the yep. pockets of space and stuff like that. The issue, the major issue is the, like you said, not so much the pressing, that doesn't bother me so much, but it's the getting back into position once the other team are breaking because he'll just hang yeah. around in an offside. And what you don't see on television screens, you see it painfully too much at a match, is when the camera's showing the team attacking, and United get the ball back in defence. Ronaldo's often 25 yards in front of their defence, so United can't even counter. They can't try and get, which is their strength. The strength is to get the fast attackers behind the defenders. They can't do it yeah. because Ronaldo's 20 yards offside. That's the frustration. Uh, frustration. So if he can get back into those positions, it might even help him out because 
all he has to do is catch up with the play. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't have to be, yeah. he doesn't have to do the Rashford or Sancho behind the defence or Anthony. He only has to get back. The, the thing that I do find curious is, I can't wait to watch Anthony play, but Anthony doesn't, he, he's a great crosser. But if you're a Ronaldo, you want a crosser like David Beckham. You know, you want to know that that ball's coming in, where it's coming in, you can get there all the time. Like, you like playing with Tellers, Ronaldo, you could see, because he knew where that cross was going to come in. He wasn't brilliant at it, but it was the best that we had at getting an arching cross in, and Ronaldo could, he sort of knew where that was coming. You're not going to get that with Anthony. I, I don't think he even knows what he's going to do after time if you watch him on the ball. No, I mean, he, he dribbles on average 12 times a game, which is a very lot, yeah. <laughs> I should say. So he's he's obviously going to take players on. Within the within the Ajax system, he, he I mean, even he would probably say he, he's dialing back. I think he would probably like to dribble 30 times a game. Like every time he gets the ball, he wants to take a man on. So he probably dialed that back. And then his second favourite move is to float one in left-footed from the right-hand side to the back post, which you could see Ronaldo getting on getting on the end of, for sure. Late in the game, put one in the box. He's he's very good at that. But yes, the, the Maverick side of Anthony will be interesting to see how it fits within how United play. I mean, it will be very different and probably help Delo, to be honest, a very different kind of player than, say, Sancho, who's basically a number 10 playing wide, who doesn't attack the fullback, who, who likes to play in triangles with, with his fellow forwards and midfielders. So very different dynamic. Delo, he won't have to go on the outside all of the, the time. He won't have to be that a main attacking. He can be a bit more conservative. So we'll see how it works out. Anthony's registered. Yeah. So he'll be in the squad for Sunday. I mean, I'd be really surprised if he starts. He might do, but he'll, he'll have had one individual training session and one group training session, which will be a light session on, on Saturday. Yeah. Friday and, and very light on Saturday, probably just tactical. So it'd be a surprise if he's straight in the side. But yeah. maybe, maybe, and maybe he gets half an hour at the end of that game. So how do you see Arsenal going? I mean, Arsenal, five wins on the bounce. All crappy teams have played, basically. Yeah. But, you know, when you're a... A side that's not full of confidence because after the end of last season and and trying to build, having five crappy teams to beat at the start of the season, that's massive, isn't it? And yeah. we've seen the result of that. Yeah. First time I'll answer it, I think if it was the international break, I think he might be, because normally you get one at this point. I think if that was the case, he probably would start. You'd just let him burn it out. But yeah, with the United still playing games, it probably will be from the bench. Arsenal... I watched them play against Fulham last week. They weren't great, to be honest. Fulham were worthy of going in front, and they were probably worthy of something from the game. I didn't see them against Villa. I saw flashes. I think it was Leicester they played in one of the first games, and they were very good. Yeah, Palace and Leicester. Um, Odegaard is obviously very, very good. Jesus, oh, Bournemouth. They obviously blew Bournemouth away as well. Yeah. Jesus is a a perfect fit. He's like Man City light, isn't he? Basically, that's what you're getting. And and he's got the players to play it, and and they play it very well. I think the same questions are always going to be asked of Arsenal. And it's not necessarily what they're doing now. They used to do that under Wenger, like with their eyes closed. You know what I mean? They'd steamroller Norwich and Bournemouth six 0 and then they come up against the proper team, and then they just they'd fall apart. I think that this Arsenal has probably got a little bit more steel about them than the Wenger one. And I'm talking a lot of day Wenger one, not the early ones. To say that this Arsenal had more steel than the Petit and Vieira side would be. Laughable, but wow. but you know where I'm coming from. The, the latter day Arsenal ones that didn't seem to have a spine, this one seems to have that, and it seems to have purpose and direction. There's a togetherness there that you can't see. Even going back to was it when Abamyang was stripped of the, of the captaincy and everything like that, and that was only fairly recently. They don't act, seem to have an individual that you look at and say they're going to spit the dummy out and it's going to disrupt the whole, whole flow of that team. It looks very like a very Nice, well, together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's part of that Man City like kind of thing. And they play good football. They, they're good to watch. They've got good movement with the attackers. And they have played dreadful teams so far. So, oh, poor teams because Fulham have been pretty good apart from apart from the defeat at Arsenal. So yeah, I don't know because it, first of all, it's going to be a very, really really good test for United to be coming up against them now after their little mini-recovery. Now they're coming up against a team full of confidence who like to keep hold of the ball. 
what are they going to do? How are they going to deal with that? I, I saw that Arsenal might have got a couple of knocks and that might help. Odegaard might be possibly out and Ramsdale. Possibly. Yeah, is Odegaard fit? I don't know. That's why I had the, the, the party's when, out, isn't he? So, yeah. So, I mean, they, they have got more steel in midfield because they were very lightweight. And Jekka and Lekonga, if it is those two, who were pretty good against Villa, I thought. I mean, I thought Arsenal were very good against Villa and, and it's 2-1, but they had a couple of great chances that they should have scored from as well. And that might have been more of a reflection of their dominance. So it'll be interesting that midfield because United are obviously much better. I want, does Casemiro come in? I mean, he's had a couple of substitute appearances now. It feels like a natural fit for him. He's played a couple of really hard games in the past week and given everything. Wouldn't be surprised at all. To see that happen, it'd be and a tough it's one. Be a though. Real battle in midfield. So. Do, do you not worry about that? I mean, I'm not saying obviously on a play-by-play comparison, Casemiro every day. I just think McTominay's playing well, and if you're putting Casemiro in from the start, you are creating a new dynamic. Difficult to do that against a team yeah. that's so good in on the ball like Arsenal, and especially in those areas. Yeah, it's a so. big. It's going to be a big call. But he, the thing is, Tenog seems to be aware of those big calls. He's getting them right. This might be one he gets wrong. I don't know. But it, it, that's the only concern for me with that. Obviously, on quality and the fact that he's being gently introduced, yeah, put him in. Hopefully, everything goes great and he gets that rhythm going with Ericsson and Fernandez. you would presume, being either side of him. Or even Fred might come in for Ericsson if they want to have that sort of breaker up of play there. You don't know the combination. He might have something completely different up his sleeve. We, I think we theorised that he might play Martinez in defensive midfield against Liverpool and he's been outstanding in the back line ever since. He's just so recovered from that, which shows tremendous character as well. I, I don't know because it's going to be very interesting to see this United team have played in flashes and in pockets, generally controlled, never completely controlling of the game. They couldn't do that against Liverpool anyway, so they were playing the sort of counter-attack, and it yeah. did very effectively. I'd to have a little bit more control against Leicester and Southampton. It's going to be a little bit more to the Liverpool style against Arsenal, you would think, unless he says, try and impose yourself a little bit more. And then you've got the factor of if Anthony starts, because these are the things... Funny, I was talking to Paddy Barkley earlier, and he, he mentioned this. He, called, he, he was talking about a conversation he had with Craig Brown, and Craig Brown was talking to him about cheer subs, that you would have a player on the bench who was there just to give the crowd a reaction. So you might have players who might not be able to change the game, but you would have one. If things weren't going your way, you bring him on so the crowd got behind you. Anthony, we know from United's history that they could start like Rooney, the Rooney effect. You start him, Ronaldo, you bring him on for his debut. Even against Newcastle, you play him from the start and he galvanises the crowd in a different way. So if you've got Anthony and Casemiro on the, on the pitch from the start, the crowd will be up in a different way. The energy will be different. And you might get a result that you might not otherwise get just through that kind of energy. So and if Tenog realises that, and he seems to have some kind of nails on that, then maybe, maybe there's something in that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, those are the calls, aren't they? Uh, Anthony, I mean, I, I think he'll be on the bench. And Casemiro, I think, is probably closer to the team. That's a, that's a big choice. Everything else stays the same, right? The back five. Yeah. The hair and the back four don't change. They've been excellent. Just Martinez, after the criticism he got, just how good he's been in the last three games, just, yeah, perfect. We'll, we'll see if there's bumps along the road with him, but everything says he's a, he's a really good player, really good fighter, recycles the ball really quickly. Just, yeah, no one's worrying about his five foot nine stature anymore because he is one of the highest aerial duel winners in the Premier League. It's Funnily enough, yeah. he might be short, but he's a big spring on him. So yeah. strong back muscles, as Carl <laughs> Anko would say. They, um, <laughs> so. the, one thing I would say, like a lot of people will be saying, oh, can United carry on their run of wins? And if they don't, is it a, a fallback? I don't necessarily think so. You've got to evaluate the performances at this point. Like we were so low in such a bad place that this is a complete rebuild. Now we know, we, we don't know, we've got, we know it's a big ask. We don't know what the end objective is. We we presume that with this spend, you want to see him getting Champions League football, right? That's the aim now. We There's an objective there. He's got to get Champions League football. That'll be the owner's desire. I think as fans, we just want to see steady improvement. If United play well, if they play an open game against Arsenal and they play well and it ends in a draw, I'm not saying I accept a draw now, 
but that could still be seen as like, oh, that's a really good step forward. They've played good football. They've gone toe-to-toe with them. Yeah. There's confidence in that team again, and they've got a good draw of it. They've done something for the public. Because Arsenal are still in the same position as what we are. They're trying to establish themselves. Trying as, to build. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, it, it's, it could go either way this game. Arsenal in good form. United trying to put uh, runner games together. Obviously, have put a run of victories together, but trying to build... I tell you, I'd be absolutely shocked by if United just are blown away. I just don't think it'll happen. I think there's a there's now a steel in this side and a belief, and it's just happened over the past three weeks, yeah. basically gone from rock bottom to some kind of belief, and you just see that in the performances. Yeah. And so I'd be absolutely shocked if United are blown away. It could go either way, of course, because details in football matter. But anyway, I guess that's it for this week. Lovely to speak to you as always, Wayne, and you, my friend. Yes, I'm glad I could be in the queue of your your many podcast friends, including <laughs> Paul Parker and Patrick Barkley. Storied company there. Well, we uh, you'll notice a trend there. We've all gone with the ten o'clock. Yes, I know. well, it's a podcast, so people can't see it. But you have a very different look these days. Lost, <laughs> lost some hair, I'd say. By choice, by choice. I, I joined my bald brothers, as Larry David would say. You know, the the bald yeah. fraternity. I, I'm in there. I, I'm not copying ten o'clock. Like everyone used to get the Beckham. I'm not. It's just it was it was time. But yeah, no, yeah. It's always good to talk to you, Ed. Um, yeah, it's been a lot of podcasts, but I'm, I'm glad that we're now talking about something positive again because yeah. you know it, it's actually I don't I'm not as and I, it might be different to the listener who might think that I, I, quite, I sound quite depressed and quite sad about a lot of this stuff. I still love following United. Do you know what I mean? And even even if uh-huh. we're terrible and we have a conversation about it, I like having that conversation because we're making sense of it and it makes me feel better. All right, someone else is feeling sad. So <laughs> I feel a little bit better because of that. It's not just me feeling that way. Because it's a common love, right? And like, and when we're playing a little bit better and it's we get a win, they bounce to want to talk to you about it and say, oh, look at how well we've done lately. It's even better than that. So it's even better than the, the bad results, obviously. So, yeah, it's just, it is nice to talk, Ed, and just hopefully next time I talk to you that we won't have lost since then. We just keep yeah. winning. Touch wood. Yeah. Okay. See you next week, listeners. Thanks a lot for listening. <laughs>